This episode of the Unravel podcast is recorded and produced on the lands and waterways of Binjarab Noongar, Butcha. I acknowledge Binjarab Noongar of the Bubbleman Nation as the traditional and ongoing custodians and original storytellers of the lands, waterways and skies on which I live and work on and look up to. And I pay my deepest respects to their elders, past, present and future. And through them extend my deepest respects and solidarity to all Aboriginal and Zenith Coast peoples. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. Domulubinaka and Maloni, Gotokuingoa. Na Yavangu o Emele Unga Vule. Go awe Hyomai te Kaingo o Hagatiale ma te Kaingo o Koloi. Go Tokumatua kole Hina mai Nukunonu Tokilao. Go Tokutamana ko Amohia mai te Umba Huiti. Na Nongu Koro o Salni Veuto te Umba. Na Nongu Koro Nivasu o Nukunonu Tokilao. Hello, 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 and warm greetings to you all. I hope you are rested wherever you are in the world, Kin. My name is Emile Ongavule, and I'm a proud Tokelauan Fijian storyteller. My mother is from Nukunonu in Tokelau, and my father is from Saunivayoto in Teumba, Fiji. I was born in Aotearoa, and I'm currently on Binjarab Nunga, Pucha. I've planned ties to the Hongatiale, Koloi, and Koroi Navota families, and I also have ancestral ties to Delilah Sakal and Natavuni and Uvea. I am the founder and director of Studio Kin and the host of the Unravel podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our first episode. For those who don't know me, my research and practice area of interest is oceanic indigenous led storytelling. I work across live performance, screen, visual arts, and digital media as a writer, director, creative producer, performer, educator, gardener, mover, maker, and mentor. I'm a graduate of the National Institute of Dramatic Arts, also known as NIDA. My work explores creative processes and outcomes that are grounded in Indigenous ways of knowing and nurturing the VA, where embodiment, cultural expression, digitization, and neuroscience intersect. And this is in the pursuit of deepening my relationship with my ancestors in the modern world. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I can hear you thinking, oh, that's nice, sis, but like, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, I know. Um, so all of that, really, all everything I just said, um, really is the Balangi way of saying that I'm really, really passionate about Haka Tokelau and Rai Vakaviti, the Tokelauan way and the Fijian worldview, and how I and my peoples embody it in the flesh and in digital realms. And I try to honour this and challenge this and celebrate and uplift this every day. And through this and my love for my cultures and my peoples, I have the privilege of learning about other Indigenous cultural practices and peoples and how they express that through storytelling. 
Okay, so now I've introduced myself, I've situated myself, I'm going to talk about the context of this podcast. Um, in Proper Island Styles, I'm going to take you way back <laughs> and I'm going to explain what is the Unravel podcast and why has it come about. So the Unravel podcast really seeks to build critical relations between Indigenous storytellers and audiences. Why? Well, the first storytellers in my life were my mother, my aunties and my grandmothers. I was raised in the tradition of Tokelau and oratory storytelling, um, such as Behe, Hotele, Kalanga and Kakai, all of which are reciprocal forms of storytelling. Um, and despite growing up as diaspora, I've always been encouraged by my family to learn our language, our anganuku or itovo, meaning our customs and protocols and values, and to really value in a meaningful way how we as Tokelau and Fijian people see the world. And... The relationship between the storyteller and the audience has always been an important part of that because to us, there is no division between the two. So I've worked in the arts industry um, for the last 10 years and moving through the Australian arts industry as a settler who is Dangata Moana, a person of the ocean, uh, it's really opened my eyes to the way that my identity is positioned as a deficit and how my phenotypical features, as in the way that I look, is designated undesirable. Training as an actor at one of the top drama schools in the world and graduating into an industry, um, an industry that framed, and by framed I mean opened or closed my access to opportunities through the racialization of my body, I realised that it didn't matter how hard I worked. I was constantly at the mercy of Balangi people granting me permission to be in their storytelling spaces. And... I'm going to be real with you right now. It really sucked, especially when I first graduated. Um, I had some really challenging experiences and some really traumatic experiences. And I used to get really down about it. And at first I got down because I thought that I wasn't good enough. And then slowly after time that shifted into me feeling sad because I continued to allow Balangi people to define what and where I practiced Indigenous story work. Countless times I attended castings, for example, for Polynesian roles, and I was the only Polynesian in the waiting room, or I was told I didn't make the cut because the producers said that it was, wait for it, <laughs> unethical to cast me because I am not Polynesian. <laughs> Bruh, like... <laughs> I have to laugh now because the levels of erasure are just so wild to me because nothing, literally nothing, can negate my ngahua, my lineage. And what these Balangi people really meant was that I don't look like the type of Polynesian that they're looking for. What they really meant was that they could not believe people who look like me exist and so neither will their audiences. And... I've come to realise over time that the justification of their choices was rooted in the transformative actor model. 
which I've really come to know intimately as an actor, a director, and now as an educator at a drama school. And I can see how this model thrives off the construct of neutrality, the blank canvas, and also entitlement. Entitlement to any story, anywhere, anytime. It perpetuates the narrative that with the right tools in your shed, you have the entitlement and the right to transform into the story of anyone's life. And as conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I'm, I'm speaking in relation to race specifically, have increased around me over the years, particularly in the last couple of years, systemic infrastructure has remained relatively the same, and so my dissatisfaction has increased. And I consistently walked in and out of unsafe work environments and yet remained tethered to toxic work relations. And for what? <laughs> My ego. If I kept my mouth shut and my head down, if I auditioned and I hustled, if I went along with the way things were, I would continue to get work and eventually receive recognition for my value. But nothing could quieten the voices that would make me question who I am. And I've come to understand that this is directly linked to the way that First Nations storytelling and storytellers are treated with the industry. The way that I am treated is not the same, but it is a byproduct. Reading the paper Decolonization is Not a Metaphor by Tuck and Yang was a pivotal turning point for me because it forced me to admit that I was perpetuating harm. Yes, I am Indigenous, but to the ocean, to Tokelau and to Fiji, and so as long as I live on Aboriginal land, I'm still a settler operating with a colonial system that profits off the oppression of Aboriginal and Xenotheca's peoples. And it profits of models that normalise the practice of making Indigenous storytellers, including those from my own community, interchangeable. In my community, I have to earn the right to tell the stories of my people. And I'm still earning the right to tell the stories of my people. The right to sit with knowledge holders and elders. To learn the intricacies of the relations between time, place and space. Because these stories and my interpretations of them and their survival does not belong to me. It belongs to us. The Collective. Reading the work of seven Indigenous scholars, Mary Rose Casey, Unaisi Nambombo Mbaba, Tammy Ha'iliopua Baker, Eve Tuck, Joanne Archibald, Linda Tuiwai-Smith, and Terry Jenke has radically shifted my relationship with my performance and creative practice. I have so much gratitude to these wahine toa whose theorizing and practice found me in some of my most confusing and dark moments. They reminded me that I come from a legacy of profound storytellers and story work, and it's encouraged me to build my own frameworks that are grounded in Anganuku and Itovo. An industrial overhaul is long overdue. Now is the time to make a radical shift in how these industries operate. And it must be First Nations that I will say that till I die, I'll go to the grave supporting that. First Nations models of story sovereignty benefits everyone. Western storytelling industries do not because the industry, as it operates right now, is rooted in capitalism. And capitalism devalues stories and it devalues art through devaluing human life. You know, like it's wild to think that humans are 
the only mammals who need and desire stories to understand ourselves. So storytelling, it's not a pastime. It's not a phase. It's not a side hustle. It's not even a career. It's integral to our survival. We need storytelling. And I can see that disrupting your ontological worldview, which is your perception of self, how you see yourself, and how you measure your own humanity, what makes you feel human, is at the core of dominant storytelling models. It's at the core of what dominates our industry today and is normalized. It's at the core of what normalizes, generalizing and diluting and interchanging storytelling practices and practitioners. If we cannot clearly understand and articulate what makes us human in alignment with our definitions of respect, values, customs and protocols, we cannot build a vocabulary of resistance. In retrospect, what I realize now is that my desire for validation in my identity and the space to practice and to be supported in my genealogical practice was actually a cry for people to recognize and respect my humanity. I really want to iterate that I didn't just suddenly wake up one day, pull the curtains back, look at the sun and suddenly think, oh, shit. Okay, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Oh, no. No, 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 no. When I say I was burnt out, I mean I was fatigued. I was physically unwell. And my tapuna looked at me, shook their heads, grabbed me by the neck, and they said, hey, wake up. Enough with these balangi distractions. Go home and get to work. And as much as I love talking to my tapuna... I would never wish that burnout I experienced on anyone. No job and no contract is worth selling your mana. So I hope that through this podcast, Kin, that I can encourage you to work in alignment, to trust your gut and your intuition. And I can help you to see that there is a community, a network of Indigenous peoples who cherish the stories of your old people and their story work the same way you do. Know that if you're feeling some type of way about where you are in the world, a project that you're on or an organisation that you're working with, you are not alone. So yeah, I'm on a mission to disrupt Western storytelling models through elevating Indigenous storytelling methodologies and storytellers. I want to celebrate the people doing the work, the people who prioritise empathy, the people who cultivate relationships with their audiences with intention, the people who push back on capitalist and exploitive insistence that we must continue to exist in unhealthy, unsafe and undesirable working conditions in order to tell the stories of our existence, the people who continue to define indigeneity through abundance, relationality, and responsibility to those who have come before and those who are yet to be born. So that's some background info about me, some context about this podcast and what to expect. 
If you like our work at Unravel, you can support our podcast or Studio Kin by subscribing, sharing it on social media, become a patron, or buy us a coffee by the links in our show notes. You can also leave us a review, shoot us a message to let us know your thoughts, or subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date with our projects. The links to all of those are in our show notes. Our hero illustration was created by our beautiful sister, Elsie Andrews. Audio was recorded and edited by myself. Thanks for listening, Kin. Take care, ni. Move.